This is Bethel Online. Welcome home. This is the next best thing to being at Bethel on Sundays. We are driven by making disciples of Jesus who make disciples. When you're online, interact with us on Facebook and Instagram. When you're in Barhead, Alberta, drop in Sundays to Friday. Our goal on this podcast is to ask questions, challenge certainty, and grow a relationship with Jesus so you can go the distance and bring others with you. Thank you for tuning in. One church, backcountry, Tanzania, the only musical instruments in the whole church were a pair of bolts, literally bolts, that they just clanged in time to the music. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. Um, Didn't know the songs, didn't know the language, but we worshiped with them. Uh, We went to a church in the city, in the city of Monza, which is a bigger city, of course, and um, there they had musical instruments. There they had a sound system. And uh, I remember Kevin, after the service, uh, commenting to me about uh, the service. He said, basically, in, in, in Monza, in this particular church, it was easy to be a sound man, easy as anything. All you had to do was turn it on and turn it up. Turn it on and turn it up as loud as it would go. And their service was loud, as I said, filled with praise and exuberant, and we laughed about it. It was old, old amps and and old stuff, but it was fun and memorable to be a part of that as people were praising and worshiping God. Some of you have told me of similar experiences when you've traveled to different places. Um, In fact, worship is a universal thing. Uh, Maybe our styles of worship are not always universal. Maybe some of the practices that are done in one church may not be done in another church, but praise and worship is part of who we are as believers in Jesus Christ. It's what people do who love God. We praise him and we worship him. And uh, a number of years ago, we put out a brochure called Why We Worship Like We Do here at Bethel, and it contains some things. There's some, some on the counter at the back if, if, you wanna ha- if you have some questions and, and want to pick one up, feel free to do that. But we also started a sermon series here three weeks ago uh, on seven words that will change the way you praise God because there are seven different words in the Hebrew language that are all used in the book of Psalms, and they're all translated as praise. Seven words, different words, all translated as one word, which is praise. And so we've been talking about the different aspects of praise that these words uh, mean. We talked about a yadah. To offer God a yadah is to revere or worship God with extended hands. It's Lifting our hands in praise to God. And as I said before, if you look at the pictures on the previous slide, whether you're in Saudi Arabia or whether you're in Beirut, Lebanon, or whether you're in Tanzania or in China or wherever you go, it's a common practice for people to raise their hands in praise to God. Very common. They did it in the Old Testament. We still do it today. Another word we talked about was a halal. Halal is the root word for hallelujah. And it means to boast, to rave, to shine, to celebrate. 
and to be clamorously foolish. Basically, it means to worship God without inhibition, without worrying about the people beside you or in front of you or behind you. You just let God know that you're thankful and you're worthy. he's worthy of your praise and to give him a hallelujah. We talked about a zamar. A zamar is praising God with music. It has a connotation of stringing or plucking a string, uh, a harp or a lyre. Today, of course, we would use guitars, and even the piano has strings, and it's, it's using music to praise God and to bless God. And then we talked last week, I, I love this one the best, it's a ta-da. Ta-da! It means to praise God with an extension of the hands, a thanksgiving, and it carries the connotation of praising God for things you haven't received yet, for things that haven't happened yet. It may be praising God for a healing that hasn't taken place yet. It may be praising God for a restored marriage that hasn't taken place yet. It may be praising God for an act of provision which hasn't happened yet. It's praising God in faith for things that you have not yet received. Today we've got three more words, and we'll go through them very quickly for you. The first word is barak. It means to kneel, to bless God as an act of adoration, to praise, to salute, or to thank. It's used 289 times in the scriptures. Um, Psalm 100 and verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks and bless his name. Give thanks and praise or barak his name. Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2 says, Praise, barak the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Psalm 103, in fact, the entire psalm, repeats the, fir- the phrase over and over to Barak, to praise God by kneeling in adoration and giving our praise to God. The word carries the connotation of bending low but keeping our eyes fixed on the king. So it's got the idea of our eyes being transfixed. No matter what we do, our eyes are always focused on Jesus. We bow before him, but our eyes are focused on the king. We are transfixed by his presence. It's the posture of humility. Um, It's a recognition of the supremacy of God. Can I be honest? We don't kneel a lot in our church services anymore. Uh, Very seldom. And I'm assuming, and forgive me for assuming too much here, but I'm assuming that if we don't kneel in church, we very seldom kneel at home. I don't know when you kneel in prayer or devotion to God. When I was a kid, kids were taught to say their prayers at night before they went to bed and kneel before their bed or beside their bed and, 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 and say your prayers, uh, pray to the Lord. But we don't kneel a lot in our, our services. Um, at one time, they included it a lot more Um, In fact, some of the old, old churches that I've been to or that I happen to visit once in a while, I see pews with kneelers on them. When I was a kid, I never knew what that was because in my Pentecostal church, like these pews, 
we would kneel by turning around and facing the back and kneeling in our pew, before our pew, but the church where they have kneelers uh, in front of you, right in front of you, would be a little wooden rack with padding on it that would fold down, and you could get on your knees facing forward and kneel during the service. I actually think it's a great idea. I'm sad that we don't have them anymore. Um, Because, as I said, we don't do a lot of that anymore. And um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I don't know why. I don't know why kneeling has been, in many cases, removed entirely from our church. And you can think of it, is it impractical? Is it because we're too old and it's hard to get up? Um, For some, maybe. Is it too uncomfortable? Um, We've talked a lot about praising God similar to what happens when your favorite team scores a goal or a touchdown. We, We stand and cheer and raise our hands. We have no problem raising a hallelujah at a football game. But even in football, they don't kneel down. You don't kneel before your favorite player. You wouldn't do that. That would make him somehow above you. We don't do that. He's just a guy making millions of dollars playing a game. Uh, We don't do that. But I also find we're not doing a lot in church anymore either. And that may be a bigger issue. Because he's worthy of our praise and our adoration. That's just, I'm just throwing out a suggestion. That's a word that's used in the Psalms, a barak. By the way, can I just have that next problem? I do want you to note the difference. Uh, barak, the word we're talking about, 289 times, um, to kneel and praise. Barak, which means lightning, is also a name used in the Bible, Judges 4 and 5, and it's this name that Barack Obama was called. Uh, that's where his name comes from. So notice the difference. Um, there's a, 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 in Hebrew language, there's those inflections. And so we're talking Barak, but there is the word Barak, which uh, is in the Bible as well. Another word, real quickly, Tehillah. Tehillah is a laudation, a hymn, a song of praise, a new and spontaneous song. It's used 57 times in the scripture. Psalm 22, verse 3. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel, enthroned in the Tehillah of Israel. Um, In the King James Version, that verse is translated, God, you inhabit the praises, the Tehillah of your people. It means that something happens when people praise God in song, that God comes to make his presence known. Psalm 22, verse 3, but you are wholly enthroned in the praises of your people. Psalm 100, verse 4, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, Tehillah, and give thanks and praise. Kneel before him in praise and worship. The songs that are talked about with this word, Tehillah, are new songs, spontaneous songs, songs that no one has ever heard before. They're songs that come from the heart and they're just lifted to God in praise. Now let me again say, and we've been trying to talk about this over the time, I know we come from different styles, different generations, different backgrounds. I've had people say to me, I don't like those new songs. 
And I feel sorry for you, because apparently God inhabits the new songs of his people, the Tehillah. So while you may not like them, apparently God does. Just let that sink in for a minute. So you have to decide, are you going to like what God likes, or are you going to be against what God likes? God doesn't mind the new songs. God doesn't even mind spontaneous songs that no one's ever heard before because they're praises to him and they're worship to him. And uh, as I said, when we were in Africa, I'm sure they sang songs because I didn't understand the language. I didn't know any of those songs. But, you know, it was still a wonderful experience praising God, even in a language that I didn't even know what they were singing. But it was that sense of praising God and worshiping God. It was wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So Tehillah. And then the last word we're going to talk about is Shabbat. Shabbat is to address in a loud tone. It's to shout, to commend glory and triumph. Psalm 63, verses 3 and 4 says, Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. Thus will I shout to you while I live. I will lift my hands up in your name. I will bless you in a loud voice and shout. Psalm 117, verse 1 says, Praise the Lord, all you his Gentiles. Praise the Lord, a loud Shabbat. Praise him, all you peoples. Psalm 145, verse 4 says, One generation shall praise or Shabbat your works to one another, and you shall declare your mighty works. Some writers call this word a holy roar. It's what happens when people lift their voices to God in a loud voice and they praise God in a holy roar. Um, we as Christians have become a nervous lot, haven't we? We're uncomfortable when praise gets too loud. Somehow, we've been taught over the years that to be reverent means to be quiet. You've got to be quiet in church. I tell the story often of, of a lady who um, phoned up the church one day and she said, Pastor, um, our church is closing down and we'd like to come to your church. So that's fine, you're always welcome. But, she says, there's some things we don't like about your church. Okay. And uh, she said, um, we don't like the fact that your people praise God with their hands raised and, and they pray too loud. I said, okay, it's fine. She said, we don't like the fact that um, it seems so informal in church. People don't come dressed up. Okay. And uh, we don't like the fact that when people come into your church, there's so much visiting in the lobby and meeting together, too much fellowship going on. I said, okay. And she mentioned there were four things. I forget what the other one was. Probably wasn't that important. I said, well, I'm glad, glad you told me. But we've been here for eight years. And I said, all four of those things? are the very four things we've been working on week after week after week to get people to do. We want people to come as they are, not feel like you have to have special garments to come to church. Just come and be informal. We want people to visit in our lobby. We want people to meet one another and greet one another. And 
we don't want to be strangers to one another. We want, and, and we want people to praise and bless the Lord and, and sing songs of praise to God. So I said, you know, it's unfortunate that you don't like those things, but we've been working really hard to get it this way. And so I suggested to her there were probably four other churches exactly the way she liked, and I suggested she go to one of those because we weren't going to change for her. Well, she phoned me two weeks later and said to me the exact same thing. I like your church. I want to come to your church. But I don't like these four things. Uh, I'm sorry you don't like them, but that's what we've been working on. That's, you can go to another church. There's other churches exactly the way you want. Interesting thing was, it was right at the time, about 15, 16 years ago, probably right about 15 years ago, about this time of year, when we got a call to come here to Barhead to preach as to whether we'd be a pastor in Barhead. And so we came here, and as you know the rest of the story, we obviously made a decision to come here. Do you know what happened when I went back to Manitoba after me saying I would come here? I went back to Manitoba. I got another call from that lady. Same lady, same four problems. By this time, I knew I was coming to Barhead. So I said to her, you know what I would suggest to you? Come back in about six to eight weeks, and then maybe they'll make some changes. I didn't tell her I was leaving, but I just said, come back and try it on your own, because the next six weeks, we're not changing anything, but give it some time. I don't know what she ever did. I asked my daughter. She never did come. Um, The realities are, God doesn't mind people praising him with uplifted hands. God doesn't mind people kneeling down in worship. It's found throughout the scriptures and throughout the Psalms, people lifting their voices. At times, people even getting loud and shouting their praises to God. It's okay. We don't do it all the time, but it's okay to worship God. Listen to Revelation chapter 14. Then I looked and behold a lamb standing on Mount Zion and with him 140,000 having his father's names written on their forehead. And I heard a voice from heaven like the voice of many waters and like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. And they sang as it were a new song before the throne, before the living creatures, the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. This is from the book of Revelation. It's a moment of praise. And you know, the funny thing about it is when usually when we talk about this, if I'm in a Bible study, you know what usually the first question is that I'm asked? Who are the 144,000? And it really doesn't matter. Who cares? It's what are the 144,000 doing? They're praising God exuberantly, hands raised, singing a new song, surrounding the throne of God. This is heaven. This is a picture of what heaven's like. This is a picture of what it means to follow God. This is a picture of what it means to worship. Oh, let me just say, worship and praise in heaven will not be like what we have on earth. Some of you are going to be disappointed. For some, it'll be quieter, 
For some, it'll be louder. But it's not for us, it'll be for God. And so how you praise God really isn't that important. You want to do it quietly, you do it quietly. But it's important that you praise him. It's important that you praise the Lord. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, seven times a day I praise you. Seven times a day. Praise is not something we just do in church from 11 to 12. It's something we do every day. It's finding ways to give God thanks and praise. He's a good God. We sang a song earlier, he's a good, good father. We sang a song about offering our lives to him. God is good, and he's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our worship. And so what we've been doing the last few weeks is giving you a chance to praise God. We've got a really short video, about a minute long. And then Prakash, as the video is playing, they're going to come and going to lead us in a couple more songs just to give you an opportunity to praise the Lord and put into practice some of the things we've been talking about lifting our voice, lifting our hearts, and praise to God. So watch this short video as the worship team comes and leads us in a few more songs.